Hey everyone and welcome to the penultimate place to get your movie and TV news and reviews. This is episode 61 of the Cross Media Show and today's topic is our Glass Onion review. But before we get into our discussion, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast service, feel free to give us a good rating on that platform. It helps us grow our audience and it helps us with the algorithms. If you're listening, if you're watching this on YouTube, consider dropping a like and a sub, and please do not forget to hit the bell to get notifications for all of our shows, like the Penultimate Game Show, the Marvel Mondays Initiative, and Animation. If you're watching on Twitch, I, I for, keep forgetting to freaking update this. Uh, if you're watching on Twitch, congratulations, you're watching on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ruben, the director of this channel, and today is a very special day. This is our first episode of the year, and I'm celebrating it with two phenomenal people. Um, today, I am joined by one-third of the movie podcast, Remember the Film, and half of I'm So Tired, Italy's biggest, biggest Matrix fan, Hugo Panay. Hugo, how's it going? Hi, uh, doing great. Didn't realize it was the first episode of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were supposed to do one cool. uh, the beginning of this week, but something's happened and we had to mm. shift. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And for the first time on the Penultimate Conquest, and apparently the first time on any podcast, welcome, Tristan Morgan. Tristan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here start talking. Excited to, you know, try out doing a podcast for the first time. Okay, all right. Let's hope you have a good time. I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. You know, Christian Macias <laughs> isn't on this podcast, so we should have a good time. You know. <laughs> uh, let's get into some housekeeping. Tomorrow we are starting our first. Uh, Jesus Christ! It's like I already screwed it up, Hugo. Let me try this one more time. We're going to find That's out. Good. We're going to be finding out all about loss for the next couple of weeks. Starting tomorrow, we'll be reviewing every episode of The Last of Us on HBO every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. So, t- uh, so tune in. We'll start our discussion with Eric as our first guest. And then, um, if you haven't seen it, we have a stacked lineup for this show. So, I'm excited to get into that Everyone's discussion excited about, about this last of us show yeah yeah it's almost as if it, it might be good you know here you go that's, that's all I'll gotta know, say. i won't know well. i'll never find out so. <laughs> <laughs> and as always please feel free to leave your thoughts and questions on our speakpipe speakpipe.com slash penultimate conquest for now actually you know hugo you, you've inspired me well, well we're gonna get into what we've been watching recently Mm. Let's start off with you. What, what, what oh God! Um, I've been watching. I've been catching up on a bunch of twenty twenty two movies. Okay. Uh, looking at like critics awards and year end lists and stuff, and trying to figure out which movies I should be watching that I missed. Uh, most of these I missed because just like they didn't really get a release here in Italy. Um, so I just have to wait for them to be available digitally or they just release late or whatever other reason. Um, so like this morning I watched Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which came out of nowhere getting like 98% or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's actually a really good movie. Like it, it, 
I don't know, some people, I've seen a lot of five-star reviews for this movie. Um, for me, it was more like, oh, this is like a great, great uh, movie for like uh, preteens and stuff, which is, which is not a, a knock against the movie. Like it, there, there are very few movies in for that age group that are actually good. Like a lot of the time, they'll just be so stupid that you you watch them and it's like, oh, this is this is just talking down to children. And this one isn't. This is just very exciting uh great animation and stuff and i also watched like yesterday i, I caught up on elvis oh, the no. elvis presley biopic oh, no. <laughs> because it's like getting nominated for all these awards like um it's gonna be nominated for best picture at the oscars and uh austin butler might win best actor at the oscars and this movie sucks <laughs> <laughs> i'm I really, so glad you said that <laughs> i did not enjoy this movie at all um yeah it's it, like they figured out the way to tell this story in the most boring, like not even boring, like because it's not boring because it's very energetic and weird, but it's like the most annoying way possible because they framed the entire story around Tom Hanks, uh, who plays this like cartoon villain character. Interesting. So it's and not it's even not, about Elvis. It's like Elvis is not the main character of the movie, no. Like, he is, like, the movie is about the idea of Elvis, but he's not really the main character. The movie, the main character is framed around this manager guy, mm -hmm. who was apparently, like, a kind of a piece of shit. Um, but, like, and I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to, oh, look at this guy who was so talented and he was exploited by this asshole manager. But at the same time, like, the manager is the point of view of the movie, so it, he's, and he sucks. And, you know, Tom Hanks is doing an insane performance. Uh, which doesn't like there were reviews on letterbox saying oh the the covid really got into tom hanks's brain and, and stuff before he did this performance and stuff like that because he just like no idea what he's doing in this movie um i did not enjoy this uh it's going to be nominated for best picture apparently but i, I didn't get it oh. um and that's it really um i also watched after sun recently which is just a masterpiece after like my sun? i think after sun yeah it's a movie released in 2022 by Charlotte Wells. She's a like a first-time director. I think she's Scottish, I believe. But the movie's fantastic. Like it's my second favorite movie of the year. Um, cool. It's the only other movie other than Everything Everywhere All At Once that I gave five stars and it, it's just brilliant. Um hasn't been getting a lot of attention because it's like a smaller film and um not really available in many places. Like even here I had to get a movie subscription to watch this movie because it just didn't get a release at all and but it's great. Um, that's about it, uh, I think, as far as new movies go, at least. A couple of rewatches of weird stuff, but whatever. What about you guys? Uh, Tristan, what have you been watching? Oh, man. Um, haven't had a ton of time to kind of watch a lot of things with school revving back up and everything this semester. But I did um, burn through the entire season of first season of House of the Dragon recently. Okay. which you've really got to be in the right space to watch that, get through that show in the way that I did. Because uh, I watched all 10 episodes back to back to back. And, you know, the Game of Thrones, it's exhausting, yeah. especially on TV. I've, I never watched the Game of Thrones show. I've been reading the books. So this was my first like experience with it on the screen. And performances were phenomenal, but it made it a lot, more harrowing to watch that kind of just relentlessly depressing kind of TV. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it was really, really good. Um, all the actors did great. Even the even the kid actors did fantastic in it. Yeah. Um, and then I watched my first movie of the year last night. I went to the theaters and watched um, Skin of Marink, which um, for anyone who doesn't know what that movie is, it's a it's a horror movie, a, very, a pretty low budget um, horror movie put on by Shutter. And best way to describe it would be like. Um, feels very inspired by some YouTube like channel five and um, uh, the Mandela catalog kind of satellite or that kind of nineties horror stuff. It's a lot of long lingering shots. Um, I watch, I watch a lot of horror movies. It's probably one of my favorite genres out there. So I don't get scared a whole lot of movies. Um, but yeah, this movie did it for me. <laughs> it oh, scared wow. me. And yeah, I, there's like, um, I think there were like 10 of us in that theater. Not a lot of people, but we all sat at the end of that movie, just kind of like in a stunned silence. Cause yeah. So if you guys, if you like horror, if you like art house, a lot of lingering shots, a lot of misdirects, very slow burn, Okay. but you should watch it. Right. Anyone who likes that kind of stuff. It kind of came out of nowhere as well. Cause like, well, you know, all the marketing for early movies was like all Megan, 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 and then Ugh. this mm -hmm. movie started popping up and people talking about it. But has anybody watched? Yeah, that? I heard about it a little bit last year, um, and like a couple people I know who are really into horror movies, like journalists and stuff, enjoyed it. Um, but then, yeah, I didn't really hear a lot about it. Didn't see any trailers for it, so I went and watched it last night, not really knowing a lot about it, which was fun. All right. Sounds cool. Um, personally, me, I have been, I just finished uh, the last season of Better Call Saul, and I am still like, don't know how I feel about it. And it's, I'm just trying to figure out my emotions for it, you know? Um, I recently just watched uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights for the first time, which was kind of really, <laughs> really funny. Really, really funny. Um, and my next movie that I will be watching either today or tomorrow is The Menu, which I was kind of mm. excited about. I heard good things. I just didn't get a chance to, to catch it in theaters because of... Good movie. Yeah. I was one of, like, the five people who saw it in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just, it was a bad time for it to come out, you know? Yeah, and it was such, it seemed like it was a really limited run in theaters, too. It didn't last very long. Not as limited as the next movie we're going to be talking about, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that, that's primarily what I've been watching. Um, yeah. Other than that, nothing much. Uh, so I guess that means we'll be start. We'll be starting to talk about Jesus Christ. I need to learn how to speak again. We're going to start talking about <laughs> Glass Onion, a Knives Out story, which apparently. It Ryan An Johnson. awful subtitle. <laughs> Ryan Johnson does not want it to be a, a Knives Out mystery. It, he just it, wants it Glass Onion. Yeah. Which, honestly, I mean, it's how it better. should be. Yeah. 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 Or, like, I've seen people floating around, um, like, a Benoit Blanc mystery, which is like, oh, it's 
you know, whatever, Murder on the Orient Express, a uh, Hercule Poirot mystery, that that kind of makes sense. Yes. Just to call it, like, the first movie makes zero sense. It's just, like, a marketing tactic or whatever. Honestly, yeah, I mean, I guess it's got to be a marketing tactic because Netflix Mm -hmm. paid a lot of money for these movies. But it's going to end up on Netflix anyway. Why not just leave it as Glass Onion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference? I don't know. It just seems weird. Just put his face as the the little title card, you know. And also, like, if if they're doing stuff for money, then why are they leaving money on the table by That's capitalizing on question. how many people want to see this in theaters? Like, it it was out in less than a thousand. No, what something like a thousand theaters in the U.S. only. Yeah. And it so, made fifteen million dollars, like which is a crazy amount. So let's talk about that. So it. Uh, the premiere date was in theaters was November twenty third, twenty twenty two, with a budget of forty million dollars, a box office of fifteen million dollars. Directed by and screenplay was by Ryan Johnson. So, our king. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's our king. He's Christian's king. He's our king. Okay, it's all, my right, king. all right, he's your king. He's your king. Um, he's my king too. Oh boy, I bow down to Ryan Johnson. Oh, <laughs> So uh, I have here, um, obviously, I get my reporting from all the great news websites called uh, Wikipedia. Uh, mm-hmm. Netflix was reportedly considering a new release model for films like Glass Onion, which would give the film a 45-day window in theaters before being released on the streaming service. Um, yeah. On, uh, for yeah. some reason, they just didn't do it. Yeah. So, on October 6, 2022, Netflix announced that after signing deals with three, uh, with the three largest theater chains in the United States, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, the latter, whom, uh, latter of whom Netflix had a pre-existing deal with, the film would see a very limited one-week rele- uh, theatrical release, billed as a sneak preview release, from November 23rd to 29, 2022, in roughly 600, not even 1,000. 600 theaters in the largest markets across the United States as well as other international markets marking the first time a Netflix uh, distributed film would be shown in all three uh, major theater chains in the United States. Uh, Of course, after the release was over, Netflix would then pull the film from distribution until the Netflix release of December 23rd, at which point Netflix would allow theaters to show the film again. I didn't know about that last part. So Netflix... Yeah, but that wasn't... That didn't actually happen. Like, the movie did not go back to theaters at all. Gotcha. Okay. Like, I, I think it might have had some, like, very limited, like, screenings for, like, critics in LA and New York, but right. that's about it. Um, yeah, the first movie made $300 million worldwide. <laughs> Which is a ridiculous amount for like an original film that yeah. doesn't have a, an IP or like, you know, a, a superhero or, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker or whatever in it. Right. Um, and for some reason, they just chose not to make the money back that they invested on this and just put it on the streaming service, which has been bleeding money for a few years now. Um, I don't know what's going on, but it really feels like these streaming services are at a breaking point where, like, there was news last year that HBO Max lost $3 billion in the first year of its uh, existence. And it's like, 
then how is this sustainable that, that they have to stop figuring out how to make because, some money on this, you know? I mean, yeah, now they're going to be introducing uh, ad tiers, which sure might give them some money, but I feel like eh, I, I don't see. I'm pretty sure that's like, why they sold it off. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, WWE just got bought. It, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if, like, Netflix got bought out by, you know, uh, Apple or Disney or somebody like that. Because, no like, way. at some point, you can't, you cannot be losing billions every year and just, like, oh, yeah, but we'll make money eventually because your stock is high. Like, that doesn't, eventually that can't work. But whatever. that That's besides the point of the movie. I'm just, right. <laughs> like confused as to why they would not you know this movie could have handily made like a couple hundred million yeah worldwide. i i think so it why done, not i think you it know probably why not make that money it it's probably crazy. would have done better than the original which was uh 311.9 million yeah that's yeah. yeah very weird on top of the fact that they also bought the rights to mm-hmm. the knives out franchise to uh, they paid four hundred and fifty million dollars and shelled out an additional forty million to produce Glass Onion, so that's almost five hundred million dollars that they, yeah. they decided. Oh, we're just gonna leave it for a week and then we'll pull it and then if you want maybe we can let you put it back out once like, we have it on streaming. And the thing is, like, how many m- new people subscribed to Netflix to watch this movie? Like. People who watch movies already have Netflix. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It seems like a weird business plan, but. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Netflix has to, the next move that Netflix uh, honestly has to do is just start buying theaters. I mean, maybe they'll do that and and that'll be a way out. But like, Like, as of now, they seem in a weird spot because like they're bleeding money. They keep releasing cool stuff with zero marketing that just gets dropped on like this one did well obviously but like how many movies a year do they actually market four or five like this year was this pinocchio like the gray man a little bit i couldn't even fucking tell you (laughs) like that's it and there's hundreds of shows and movies releasing on netflix and nobody even watches them so like yeah they just put out the trailer on youtube and that's about it they're like they don't really do marketing Netflix is in such a weird space right now because, like, as a streaming, um, as one of the, like, streaming giants, it's still consistently putting out some of the best work, especially in, like, the movies. Like, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't market its stuff. And I don't know. It's, like, it's, yeah. (laughs) They, They don't market any of their stuff even if it's even if the stuff is really good like um i didn't hear about the movie with benedict cumberbatch i can't think of the name of it the western with him until Mm -hmm. award season last year and that's when i got around to watching it so honestly i didn't hear about this movie until you just said it (laughs) (laughs) yeah the power of the dog which yeah yeah won a bunch of awards last year yeah they they keep doing that it's it's uh it's surprising. It's baffling. And like, and the thing is, they're investing so much money in original content, which is like they have hundreds of original shows, hundreds of original movies, but like, it, <laughs> there's no marketing. Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't do, you know, maybe two shows a month, 
two movies a month, mm-hmm. like, but actually market those so people watch them and, you know, you get some cultural relevance with them. Otherwise, <laughs> like, you're just dumping shit on the service for who, like, especially because it's not really getting you new subscribers, which is what they need if they want to yeah. start actually making. But I don't know. I guess that's beside the point of whether we like the movie or not. But Well, uh, before we get into the movie, actually, I just want to say one more thing. Before COVID happened, uh, Amazon was starting to purchase up. I know they purchased one theater that shut down mm. in New York City. And they were the plan was all the big budget movies that they were planning on making, they were going to release these movies in the movie theaters that they bought up. Mm. For like maybe I think I want to say ten bucks plus you know the concession stand stuff. So like sure, sure. they were gonna make the money back. Plus everybody has Amazon Prime, so like I'm sure they would have gotten extra stuff from it. I just feel like that's the next step that Netflix has to do, which is kind of yeah. hard because everybody knows for a fact there's at least one person you know that shares their Netflix password with at maybe five people. So. Well, I'm not, yeah. They're going to be cutting down on that pretty hard uh, in the next couple of months. Um, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, Netflix isn't backed by, you know, Apple Apple TV or Amazon Prime Video. Like, behind them, they have some of the largest tech corporations in the right, world. Right, 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 right. And Netflix is just Netflix. Well, so it's not there. like they can just, like, oh, AMC, would you like to become Netflix now? And, and the AMC would be like, yes, but with what money? I think... You know what I mean? What it was is that uh, I, I want to say Regal or Cinemark is going to be going mm. out of business soon. Like they they don't have enough. They're in money. trouble. That's for sure. Yeah, but like it, I don't know if Netflix is the one that would have the cash. To no, definitely not. You I'm know just what I mean? saying like, like just buy small theaters here and there. You know, yeah, it's complicated. We'll yeah. see. What, like I think in the next few years, the streaming uh, world might look very different than it does now. Yeah, is what I'm. It'd be weird to see how it all shakes out, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to talk about the movie? <laughs> yeah, that'd be really great. That'd be really great. Do <laughs> that. So, I have one question for you here. Let's to start off the conversation. Did you like Knives Out, the first one? Hugo, let's start off with you. I I love Knives Out. Um, I saw it in. Uh, I was living in another town, but they were doing. Uh, there was a small theater that did every movie. Uh, in English, because a lot of movies that I get that I see in theaters here in Italy, I unfortunately have to see them dubbed, kind of, which kind of sucks. Um, and and I saw Knives Out, and we wouldn't, we didn't know much about it other than oh, Ryan Johnson directing a murder mystery movie. Like there wasn't like even the trailer was kind of vague of what the movie was going to be, and and it seemed very conventional. Uh, and it wasn't conventional. It was like very weirdly structured in a fun way. You know, it had that central point of view character of yeah. um played by Ana de Armas and it was dealing with with you know issues about uh immigration and and how undocumented uh people living in the US might find themselves in tricky situations for no fault of their own and like and it was just also plain fun uh which is something that you don't really get as many you know sort of mid budget uh big cool cast uh, just doing a fun movie uh, as much right now. And, right. Uh, yeah, so I thought Knives Out was delightful. Okay. Tristan, what about you? God, yeah, I love Knives Out. Um, I got the experience of, I went and watched it 
late at night with a buddy of mine and we it was the first time I'd done it in a long time. We just sat in the movie theater parking lot, just talking about the movie for two hours. It was like one o'clock in the morning by the time we left the movie theater parking lot. And everything Hugo said, I agree. It's just, it's, it's a good movie. It is just, yeah, a fun movie. And it's, it has this charm to it. That's hard to put into words that I haven't seen in movies in a long time. And it kept me thinking about that movie, even, even even though it was a relatively like light movie. It's not like a. There's some good, good some good commentary on stuff like you said with immigration and undocumented labor and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't. It's not a. It's not a movie that's intended to make people. Like it's not supposed to be some sweeping commentary, kind of movie. But it still managed to be one of the movies. I thought about throughout that year. I think it came out, was it 2018, 2019? Somewhere 18, around there. 18. But, no, 19, yeah. 19. but yeah. 19, yeah. yeah. Incredible movie. Loved it. I, you, I had seen this movie twice. Uh, my first time I was hesitant with my uh, watching this movie because Ryan Johnson was attached to it. I'm sorry. I had to say <laughs> it. I had to say it. Um, but I, I really Cut loved it. <laughs> I, I I loved it. I thought it was a really, really good movie. I was confused as to how they like it was a a, a, a whodunit, but it wasn't a traditional whodunit, you know? Mm-hmm. Which kind of caught me off guard. I, I would have preferred a traditional whodunit, like uh Glass Onion was. I I I'm gonna say this right now, hmm. I love Glass Onion better than I did Knives Out. Um then I took my uh, fiance to go see it, and she was like stuck on this one thing that kind of ruined the whole movie <laughs> for me. So uh, I am not going to do that to you guys, just because uh, you know you like the movie. I'm going to let you continue to like the movie. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was okay. I, I w- would have preferred it to be a traditional whodunit than it w- what right. it was. But yeah, um, I'm gonna assume that we all like Glass Onion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Actually, didn't I, I? I don't think I loved it as much as the first one, just because like I think um, structurally it's ultimately quite similar. Uh-huh. Uh, like it does, you know, it does the little reversal where the point of view at some point in the movie changes. Uh, you have uh, Benoit Blanc coming in a situation where it's one location and, uh, you know, there's a point of view character who initially is the detective, but then there's another character that comes into play and is kind of the emotional core of the movie. Like, it, it, it structurally, it felt quite similar, but, like, it, it it's delivered so well and it's so fun to watch and the, just the writing it's so, is so entertaining that it, it you know didn't really detract as much from it. I just didn't like it as much as the first one. I, but I really loved both. Right. Uh, we have Christian Macias in the chat, and I don't know why this guy's in here. <laughs> Never heard of him. He's just what, really who's bad. Who's that? Uh, this guy that is on this podcast sometimes. Uh, he just says, oh. Common Ruben L. And you know what? This guy doesn't know what he's talking about because a common Christian now is like Sonic the Hedgehog 2 wasn't a good movie. So it's like, there's this movie. Anyway, um, I, uh, what, I didn't watch it, so I can't comment on uh, that. 
Come take a side. Hugo, if you think everywhere, everything <laughs> everywhere all at once was a great movie, like you have yet to see prime cinema. Okay, that's all. Right. I'll say. That's all. The I'll Sonic say. Two movie of the year, twenty twenty two. Yeah, I heard it's actually getting the Oscar for movie of the year, but that's yeah. yeah it's actually getting the Oscar for movie of the decade. Yeah. It's their whole Some new category. Some might say movie of Sonic. this century and last century. That's all. <laughs> Um, but uh, w- let's talk about the story. Let's dive a little deeper. It was, uh, the trailers for this movie definitely threw me off. Like, mm. just threw me completely off. And I like that. I love when a trailer just, like, lets me think of one thing. It's the common Marvel thing. Like, oh, we're going to just fuck the tra- we'll fuck with the trailer and have you think one thing. And in reality, it's going to be the complete opposite. Um... The story for this movie, I was intrigued by. Like, it was just this random guy who was a, a millionaire or a f- famous person who, uh, according to him, is... Uh, what was the term that he used for the, the group? Oh, the disruptors. The disruptors, like yes. Uh, yeah. f- phenomenal, you know, phenomenal. Uh, the disruptors of society. And I... I'm going to be honest with you, I, that kind of fell a little flat, like, once they started getting into it, the whole, I, I was wondering how the COVID thing was going to, like, okay, they introduced the COVID aspect, and I was like, oh, mm. are we just going to wear masks this whole entire time? Is that, is it just that? No, it, it no, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. guy has a, this yeah. guy is so rich that he made a magical gun yeah. <laughs> that can cure COVID. Yeah, apparently, apparently, <laughs> which was great. And, like, I didn't have to think about it. It was just a magical cure for COVID, and I was okay with it. Um, sure. I'm talking too much here. What were your thoughts on the story, Tristan? Let's start yeah. Um, so, coming off of Knives Out, you know, this movie was kind of more of a known quantity to me at that point. Because, like, as sequels always tend to be, you get the lightning in a bottle that is the first movie. You don't know what you're getting into. You got the surprise value, which works really well for a mystery film. Um, I don't think it really detracted from Glass Onion at all. Uh, I should say I kind of got the... Because these movies ride on a twist in ending. All good movies have sort of wow moment, right? Um, This... Oh, sorry. Give me... Okay. Is it good now? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, sorry about that. That's My right. internet's spotty. Okay. Um, where was I? Oh, um, mystery movies have, they always have a moment of, oh, that's what happened, right? And unfortunately, I kind of got that spoil for me for this movie, um, which oh, so for the most part, I don't really care. Yeah, I don't tend to care about spoilers too much, right? I, 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 um, I like to see where we go more than the end point itself so it doesn't really upset me too much and so but even with knowing somewhat like i didn't know every twist and turn right but even knowing somewhat of what happened it still didn't detract from my enjoyment of the movie um i think partially that's because actually a big part of it was so the first movie was focused on anandamus's character yeah um, and benoit block was you know the supporting character in that film Versus Glass Onion, where 
Benoit Blanc takes center stage. And the whole movie is more about his process and who he is as a character rather than the central. Yeah, even I think even throughout the end of the movie, it starts to become um, Janelle Monáe's character more. Um, But it never stops centering Benoit Blanc. Um, And because of that, the movie is less about the mystery itself and more about these the characters within the mystery, which I thought was... And Knives Out did it as well, but this movie had to rely more on that because I think Ryan Johnson knew that people coming into this as a sequel, so he knew what people were expecting out of it already, so he used the characters as a sort of balancing board with that. Um, it- and also, like, the whole way it's uh, kind of commenting on these, like, self-professed, like, uh, you know, Tony Starks of the world. Yeah. And, like, uh, people who think, oh, I'm the tech billionaire. I'm such a genius. I'm going to be able to, you know, accomplish anything and change humanity. And ultimately, like, the movie's kind of telling them, oh, yeah, but, like, the actual individual are probably just dumbasses who have a lot of money to throw at actual people doing the work yeah. uh which is great like this the whole moment where benoit blanc is like oh turns out this you know genius billionaire is is like a kind of an idiot perfect. you know <laughs> like perfect it's an incredible like even and and, and the, i like the how the movie is kind of hinting at it like you don't know until you know you get there's one point where you get the flashbacks and it explains everything but yeah. like there's moments where you know, oh, he's got, he's talking with Benoit Blanc and he's like, oh, uh, I've devised this uh, creative, uh, you know, uh, elaborate murder mystery game and you're never going to be able to guess. It's so complicated. And mm-hmm. then when they're at dinner, he just figures it out in like 15 seconds <laughs> and just ruins his whole weekend. <laughs> it just, it's so good. Yeah. It's, that's such an incredible part of the movie. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I think this one, even compared to the first one, is funnier. Yes. Like I, first I agree, yeah. Is is the more like the first one obviously sets up like the, all the creativity with with how these movies are structured and how they are, you know, uh, reversing some something that you might expect uh from a murder mystery like this, but this one is like as a comedy it's really good. Like yes. it, it, there are so many moments that it's just so funny and these actors are so good as well. I think the 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 people he chose to be in this movie are just delightful. And the cameos, even like just seeing Angela Lansbury on screen. Yeah. I think this was the last thing she did before she passed away last year. And like just seeing her on screen, just, just playing uh, Among Us with Benoit Blanc or whatever. Like it's just, that's just so ridiculous, but it somehow works. Yeah, I, I thought, um, like I said before, the, my problem with uh, Knives Out was that it wasn't the typical murder mystery. It was focused too i thought it was too heavily focused on anadarmus uh, which i kind of understand like you kind of have to like you need a way to sell the movie and mm-hmm. like of course anadarmus is is phenomenal actress and she's also very pretty so i feel like mm-hmm. oh perfect way to just like make sure that this movie does great is just putting a pretty phenomenal actress uh, in the spotlight, but like this, I I like that this was focused on Benoit Blanc, 
Like I, I like mm. that he was the main character of the story, and even when it we switch over to Janelle Min, uh, Monet's character, he still kind of feels like the main character, obviously. Um, which I like to see the way that he uh, figures out things, like uh, when he's explaining, like um, what's his name's an actual idiot. It, it's it's perfect because yeah. <laughs> like it makes total sense. Like you said uh, before, like when they do the recap of everything stupid he's said, he's like he's <laughs> not a genius. He's just. Uh, a plain old idiot. I'm like, yeah, he just happens to have a lot of money. Yeah. And the fact that he s- literally stole the idea from Benoit Blanc about the whole thing, like the turning the lights off at a certain yeah. time was perfect. Like I expected it, but it not, it's not the way that I expected it, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. but, oh man. It was and great. that reveal, that whole reveal of um, stealing his ideas from Bim Wambach was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was, it was really, really great. Um, and also like Daniel Craig is just having so much fun with this role. Like he was stuck doing, you know, a very serious version of bond for 15 years or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and in this, it just feels like he gets to let loose and just be quirky and, and weird. Yeah. And like, like this character has some some quirks to it. like the fact that he has that incredible like very old timey um, like swimsuit, but it, but is that is also like a shirt, and yeah. he doesn't take it off when yeah. he's uh, you know in the swimming pool, and he has the little handkerchief. Like he's so unique. Um, it kind of reminds me. I don't know if you guys saw that movie um, by Steven Soderbergh a few years ago. It was twenty seventeen or whatever. Logan Lucky, right. where. Whatever, it's a heist movie by Soderbergh. It's really good. But, like, in that movie, he also puts Daniel Craig in a weird role where he just gets to be this insane character. He In that one, he plays this guy who's in prison and they break him out of prison to pull off a heist or whatever. But he has, like, blonde hair and, like, bleached blonde hair and full of tattoos and he gets to go completely wild. Um, and I like seeing this side of him because, like, he, again, he was stuck being such a serious character before and now he just gets to let loose and be weird which i enjoy yeah uh yeah. I, have... I honestly did not think sorry no no go ahead go ahead um i was just gonna say i honestly did not think that um daniel craig i didn't know he had those kind of acting chops yeah. on him um because all i had seen him in was um, as james bond which he does good in that role but like you said it's not um it's 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 a very serious role. It's a very played straight role, and seeing him yeah. in this comedy role where he gets to just be insane is incredible. Yeah, I I uh, I gonna I'm gonna say something controversial here. I kind of prefer him in the comedic roles. Yeah, no, he's he's great. He's great. In the yeah, I agree. Stuff. Actually, like I. For me, uh, getting off track here, but for me, like he did not do a great James Bond. From like I haven't seen any of his James Bond movies just because I, I thought he was boring. But like, I mean, I do like those movies quite a lot. I think he's very good in them, but he he do- certainly doesn't get to like flex the acting as much. He's right. a very cold, calculated character in exactly. that, which is like he's good at that, but. 
it's fun. Like, I think he's having fun with this. Like, it it really feels like the sets for these Knives Out movies that Ryan Johnson is writing is just, like, actors getting together on a weird location and, like, getting to have fun. Just, like, being weird and being a bit over the top, but in a way that, that is consistent. Like, it's not like, oh, Benoit Blanc is super over the top, so the whole movie falls apart because he seems ridiculous. No, because, like, all the characters are just just a smidge heightened from reality. You know? They're just a yeah. tiny bit too exaggerated in a way that makes them entertaining to watch. Yes. Yeah, and none of, they're never, like, competing for screen space. They're all on the same level of kind of... Um, Character creatures as each other, and I think Glass Onion, I think Glass Onion does a better job at that kind of goofy characterization than Zap does for sure. Um, yeah. Like uh, Dave Bautista's character is just oh, an all timer in <laughs> Glass Onion. It's incredible, and he's like kind of just playing a Joe Rogan. Right, yeah. like with yeah. the gun, and <laughs> it's funny. Like it's it's very funny. It the again the one thing for me about this movie is like the, the, it's kind of structurally a bit similar to the first one, and I I do think I think Ryan Johnson has already said that the third one will be a bit different uh, from the first two in terms of like maybe it won't be just one location, maybe it won't be just a big cast all in one place, you know, uh, solving a murder. Maybe we'll see him, you know actually investigating like a murder case out uh in the world collaborating with with, with you know a police department or, or whatever more like a yeah. you know how like yeah he he always he always talks about oh these stories are come from my love of agatha christie books and you know characters like poirot and, and sherlock holmes and that kind of thing and those stories you know the most famous ones are set in one location and they have all these uh suspects but there's also other stories where they go investigate out in the field and stuff and i wonder if they'll do that with this i don't know the thing that comes to my mind that has probably done it perfectly is sherlock um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like, the series you mean yes the series with um trying to blank benedict Cumberbatch. yeah exactly thank you um i think Every episode is like maybe an hour, hour fifteen minutes mm-hmm. long, and it somehow never ceases to amaze me. Like the yeah, especially sh- the first first few seasons. Like, yes, so good. like just sheer sheer brilliance of that show entirely mm-hmm. is just oh my god, so spectacular. So I would love to see that just like on a big screen like yeah change it up a little bit let's have him like you said hugo let's have him do a crime scene collaborating with the police just it would be perfect i i I honestly think if he does it right which i feel like he is on the right track of of especially because like to me if if you have ryan johnson doing a movie where he's dealing with like police officers like the police officers are going to be bumbling idiots yes. in that movie yes. you know and that's exactly <laughs> what we need <laughs> and exactly. Benoit Blanc is just going to be running circles around them yes yeah. yeah um so i have here the next question is what was the favorite moment of yours and i think we kind of already touched on our favorite moment which is yeah him. we went through yeah. a few uh 
I certainly did like uh, one thing I didn't mention is like the the flashbacks where uh, Edward Norton is wearing these ridiculous costumes from the early nineties. Oh yeah. He just looks ridiculous and in with the, the hair bars too. It's just with uh, the hair. Yeah. He's actually like that's actually like a, a quote from a movie by Paul Thomas Anderson where Tom Cruise was playing like a like a dating coach type guy. Uh, you know how these these like very toxic. Uh, oh, how do you get how to get like fifteen women to sleep with you in one night? Yeah. With these types of people, and he was dressed exactly like him. So it was a quote to that. It was it was pretty funny. Um, so all those moments where the movie kind of flashed to something else. I think it actually uses flashback in a very interesting way where sometimes flashbacks can feel just like a boring way to tell a story. Right. And in this one, the flashbacks are always big reveals. Yeah. They're showing you something that, you know, it recontextualizes stuff you've seen before in the movie. So that worked a lot for me. Um, and other than that, you know, gay Benoit Blanc whose husband is uh what's his name Hugh, Hugh Grant, Grant is is just perfect. excellent perfect yeah. yeah fantastic uh Christian is again in the chat and he says Johnson will bring back the brick era investigation <laughs> I'd be down I don't yeah. know what that means with Benoit Blanc though no, I haven't watched brick yet I should watch maybe I should watch that tonight brick is pretty good brick is good okay I'll have to check that out as well um, obviously I didn't realize that uh, I kind of realized that there was going to be a third movie in the franchise, but I didn't realize like it has already been announced and talked about, not announced, but like talked about. Uh, so I'm assuming, yeah, we'll see more Benoit Blanc. I think so. Um, bef a while ago, I want to say, um, the murder on the Nile. And murder on mm -hmm. uh, what was the one before that? Death on the Nile, I think. Death on the Nile, and yeah. Then murder on the there was a a train one. Orient Express. Yeah, murder on the Orient Express, and then death on the uh, death on the Nile. Murder on the Polar Express. I'm kind of glad. <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> no, um, we do not have to think about Polar Express. Yeah, please, please no, please oh, no. God. <laughs> I I haven't seen uh, murder on the Orient Express, but I did see death mm. on the Nile, and I gotta say. The the comparison between the two, Jesus Christ! I feel like Death on the Nile was like, wow, it was it was really not good. Like it wasn't a great murder it, mystery. Like those movies are just, I think, a bit of a mess uh, in terms of writing. I think the I mean the the bones of it are probably uh, obviously solid because they are yeah. the Agatha Christie books. Yes, so like yes. there would be no Knives Out without those. But like. It just kind of feel like stories that you've seen a hundred times. Yeah, you yeah. know, like you, you. There's nothing those movies can do to surprise you in any way. Whereas, I think that's the kicker too. Is we kind of have seen them hundreds of times, yeah. even if you haven't seen them themselves. Like every mystery author, even like things that aren't traditionally myth or mystery, take inspiration from Agatha mm -hmm. Christie. So it's like hard. Yeah. Yeah, and to go back then, like straight up redo just the actual Agatha Christie story you'd like you gotta put some spin on it otherwise it's just not it's just whatever yeah we get it he solves the mystery at the end like yeah and I think the, the fact that these movies with with Ryan Johnson and Benoit Blanc are taking that structure but putting it in a modern setting is what gives them a, a, a boost over those movies that are always you know period pieces and 
because this one can do commentary on stuff that that wouldn't make sense to do right. in a in a Poirot movie, and so yeah, but it's interesting because they they do uh, bring it into the, the present era, but it also like Benoit Blanc as a character is kind of stuck it, in yes. the past, which is yes, he a feels great like balance. He... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Like he's very, he's very much like an analog character in a yeah. digital age. Like, which I'm okay for with. Sure, I'm definitely yeah, okay absolutely. With it. Yeah. Um, I, th- I yep. Go for it. Sorry. Um, I was just gonna say to bring into things that sure is strange to talk about, like Agatha Christie as the big inspiration for Knives Out and Glass Onion, especially when we bring into this very driven home glass onion metaphor which just constantly talked about in the last half of that movie or the third act of that movie was um this completely clear mystery at the center of it all is a fun way to play with the um the the very traditional formulaic stuff we've all grown accustomed to all all the stuff we we know about in a mystery movie and using that glass onion metaphor as a like foil for the movie was a fun way to also change the way we think that kind of stuff too and it and it's like and it works on multiple levels as well because like it's that is like the obvious mystery at the center that ultimately isn't the point of the whole thing but it's also like you know the 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 big pompous uh rich billionaire but ultimately all that all that he's built is just a piece of glass it's like it can shatter in a second because it's all built on on nothing um yeah it it was like a cool image it's it's such a shame that it's called a glass onion and knives out mystery (laughs) (laughs) such a bad name it's like but when the Legend of Korra came out, and they were calling it the Last Airbender, the Legend of Korra, it's such a yeah, stupid. No, yeah, just... <laughs> just leave it what it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I for one, I'm just gonna keep calling it Glass Onion because mm-hmm, yeah. it's just a way better title. Um, the last thing I will ask of you guys is, I have put a, a rating scale, our new rating scale, into the um, doc. I want you to do me a favor and wa- tell me what you would rate this movie. Um, I have it at a 4.5 out of 5 on Letterbox, so okay. it would be a 9 out of 10. Okay. Uh, amazing on your scale, I guess. All right. Um, I also have it as a 4.5 out of 5 on Letterbox. Um, I would, on your rating scale, I'd also make it a 9 out of 10, an amazing movie. Wow. Um, probably somewhere between 8 and 9, for sure, but closer to 9. Okay. Uh, I have it. I do not have it on Letterbox. I really got to start <laughs> on my Letterbox. But if I did have it on Letterbox, it would be a five out of five for me. Mm. So you really, really enjoyed this. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was very surprised. More than the that. first one, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm gonna put it as uh, ten. Incredible. Uh, but we'll leave it as a nine point five, uh, yeah. just to balance it out. So all right. With that being said, do we have any final thoughts before we close out the show? Uh, 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 Ryan Johnson is the best, and the last Jedi <laughs> fucks, and uh, oh. and uh, yeah, that's my take. I I will say uh, this movie definitely gave me some more <laughs> things to think about when it comes to Ryan Johnson. Like maybe he does have 
some talent, you know? But, like, I don't know about the... He's the best. I don't know about that Star Wars <laughs> he's made, like, he's made five great movies, and one that is whatever. The Brothers of Bloom is a, is a weird movie that mm, I... Okay. It's whatever. Okay. Nobody's seen that one anyway, so no. it, it doesn't matter. Okay. Tristan, any final thoughts? Um, no. Benoit Blanc is just like me for real. Trying to going through an existential crisis. Okay. But <laughs> that's it. All right. Go see this movie if you haven't seen it. It's probably... For sure, watch it. It's on Netflix, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't try to look for it in theaters because Netflix is like, this movie wasn't in theaters at all. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, and, go check it even, out. Even... Even the box office numbers we got were estimates by other people because Netflix wouldn't release the numbers. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, because apparently the movie did so well that it would make them look stupid for not leaving it in theaters. So they didn't want the numbers to be out uh, for the public. Netflix, gaslighting, gatekeeping, and girl bossing, they were through. Yeah, to bankruptcy. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I got nothing left to say. Netflix. Oh, uh, one last question. I'm sorry. Do you think for the next movie, Netflix will make the same stupid decision to pull it for, put it in uh, out in theaters for a week and then pull it. Assuming Netflix is even around like 2024, 2025. Absolutely. Yeah. It, that's the thing. Like it depends what happens. Cause Netflix, it, they can't keep losing money like they are now. Like They're if putting that's out video still games going, now, now, Hugo. I don't know if you know this. Sure. Who's playing those? Or like uh, these are all games that have already come out. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, the games release and they're like, "Ooh, I want that one." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I think Netflix. I think will have to rethink some of this big business strategy, and so maybe by twenty twenty five, there would might potentially be a difference but i really don't know i i honestly i think we're at a weird moment where all the streaming services are in trouble Mm -hmm. by themselves like they just cannot make money the only one that actually makes sense is disney plus because it's like they don't actually have that much content like when you think about it compared to a netflix disney plus releases what one ongoing show a month yeah but the thing about disney plus is that disney just because disney plus doesn't put out like one only puts out one show a, a month or a, a quarter or whatever yeah. it's got the the back catalog the vault yeah, everything from exa- the vault but aside from that like the back catalog like i'm just talking about the money you're investing in now. the service yes. like netflix is putting out 10 shows a month and nobody knows even what they are mm-hmm. and disney plus is putting out an episode a week but you know a bunch of people are watching those yeah. you know the to whatever whatever you think about you know the amount of marvel content which i think is too much but that, that's besides the point like from a business point is like we we have our big movies that go in theaters and make a bunch of money and then we have the the smaller things but it's just you're investing in one episode a week rather than 25 yeah and so it makes more sense whereas the, the hbo max and netflix and netflix and amazon and apple have so much content that it, i just don't understand how they're going to keep operating like this i think it is going to change and hopefully that means we get knives out in theaters but we'll see so the thing about hbo max yes it, it did like not make a lot of money but i think it was close to being as good as disney plus 
in the sense of like they're they're like even better i think in terms of yeah like, the quality because... of what they're putting out but exactly. like three billion dollars they lost in one year that's crazy you know I, I... and obviously the company got got bought out and yeah. there was a whole thing going on but like do we you know, know if if the movies that they canceled and the TV shows that they canceled does that also count into the money, the three million dollars? No, that, that's were? like that, that was a, an article from last, from end of last year that was specifically only about streaming. Oh, fuck. Like the HBO Max service, <laughs> right, fuck. it it lost three billion dollars, and that money is being recouped by whatever. Like Dune made four hundred billion, four hundred mm. million worldwide, and you know whatever money you can make with the DC movies. And, yeah. But like, still, it just doesn't. And the craziest thing is that we know that number. Netflix, we don't know anything about action. Netflix's no. actual losses or revenue because they will not no. talk about it at all. No, Netflix is, we know it's losing money. We know it's losing subscribers, but they don't release numbers uh, necessarily. So it, just it's unclear. Do price hikes. That's it. But it's like it. Basically, what's been happening over the years is like Netflix has always operated as a loss in in terms of how much money they put into their shows and how much money they make back from subscriptions. Mm-hmm. But then its stock prices were so high because it was the biggest streaming service forever yeah. that it it didn't matter because it was making money with stocks. Uh, even though it was losing with production, mm-hmm. but now that's not true anymore because there's other players that are as big uh, or if not bigger so it's now there's so many of them and you nobody can subscribe to all of them and they're just gonna start eating each other i don't know it seems crazy just watch me hugo and it's and now and then there's just me i just want to go to the theater and watch a movie you know uh yeah i i honestly all this streaming bullshit (laughs) i i think we're gonna have to have you back on hugo for that conversation because i I'm sure we've had it multiple times, but like, it's difficult for me to sit at home and watch a movie on screen. Like the the menu, I would have much preferred to watch this movie in theaters because I know it's mm. gonna happen. I'm gonna sit on the couch. I'm gonna something on my phone is gonna light up, and I'm gonna be paying attention to it, but I'm not really gonna be paying attention to it. And then I'm gonna have to rewind, and it's a whole thing, you know. Like at least with theaters. I could sit back, turn off my phone, and fucking just stare at a screen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But mm. with that being said, Hugo, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Jesus Christ. Hugo underscore Pinai is yes. my Twitter. And yes. uh, <laughs> Hugo Pinai on Letterboxd, which is more interesting than my Twitter, I think. Okay, all right. And of course, you can listen to Large Popcorn, which we just oh, recorded. That show on this. And <laughs> next episode is we're going through the release schedule for 2023 movies and uh, also talking about uh, the first Mission Impossible movie. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Um, you got me back in. You got me back in. Um, Tristan, where can people find you? Yeah, um, you can find my Twitter account where I mostly just shit post at uh, Tree Moth with three E's. Um, my letterbox is um, Trimor, T-R-I-M-O-U-R. Um, yeah. All right. And, of course, you can find me here tomorrow at 7 p.m. to discuss HBO's The Last of Us Episode 1. I'm very excited. I'm pretty sure it's happening within an hour. 
an hour? I think at eight o'clock tonight. Hugo, you should know. Um, I saw nine Eastern. Nine Eastern. Okay. All right. So two hours. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. It gives me time to make some. Yeah, you were close. Yeah. Gives me some time to make some dinner. Um, Yeah, exactly. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I would love to have you guys back on. Yes. You know. Uh, Tristan, I hope you had a uh, had a really good time today, and I would love to have you back on. Uh, Hugo. Yes. You're in the spiel, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With that being said, thanks again, gentlemen, for joining me. 